0: Really? Which now I want to see exactly what that means. Like, are they just using their thumb or are they using both hands <laughs> <With> daintily? <laughs> Slowly opening oh, the pocket. Oh, yeah. Knife. Here it is, you know. <laughs> right.
1: Yes, that wasn't doesn't sound too intimidating when you say old men flicking open their pockets, But knives. if they
0: could do it like with their thumb, like a, that's pretty badass.
1: That's true. Let's start the show. For those who do not know, the biggest wrestling spectacular... Names from all over the country. Former champions, I've never seen anything like it. Eddie Graham. Florida Promotion. Vern Gagnon. Superstar Billy Graham. Road Warriors. Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. Bill Watts. Jerry Jarrett. Dory Funk, Harley Race, uh, Nick Bockwinkle. This is Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. Hello and welcome to Cigars and Conversations, brought to you exclusively at OneGimmickWorld.com. I am your co-host, Jay Gilke, and I am sitting with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. This man has shared a ring with a who's who of talent that ranges from Ace Steel to Eric Cannon a wrestler, manager, commentator, and a trainer who's contributed essays to wrestling publications and is currently preparing for a vacation to sunny Mexico. With 20 years of experience, he is a true Renaissance man with unlimited knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, I am speaking of the incomparable, the one, the only, Derek St. Holmes Esquire. Derek, how are you? I'm enjoying the snow
0: right now as I'm
1: preparing to go to Playa del Carmen. Oh, very fun. That, uh, that's a nice area of Mexico.
0: I'm sure it is.
1: Never been there before?
0: No. No, I have not. I have... uh, I did spend time in Mexico about 15 years ago for a place I worked for. They needed somebody to audit their Mexican plants. So I went down there, flew into León, saw the mummies, uh, audited a plant there, went to Mexico City. Like what, a cactus? What do you mean?
1: Mexican plant?
0: No, no. A production facility. Oh. Which was interesting because I can... Read Spanish, but I can't speak it, sure, you know, so I can kind of get the gist. So I was like reviewing documents and so Do they have
1: cactuses in Mexico? You know, shut up!
0: So we went and saw the mummies, which was featured, which were featured in the uh Santo Iblu Demon Contra, oh, yeah, um, La Momias del Guanajuato. So, of course, I had to go there and then. Uh, we traveled around, I saw the movie Falling Down on Mexican television uncut because it was subtitled in Spanish, which I thought was neat. That's neat. But on my last night there, it took me to a lucha show. Really? So I saw El Polvo de Estrella, one of the minis. Yeah. Um, it was funny because on the first match, there was a guy wearing a mask, jeans, and tennis shoes, and all the cars got fired out in the parking lot, so it was just like an indie show up here. <laughs> Only it was kind of interesting looking around, seeing I was the only white guy in this sea of five thousand people, thinking, "Oh, this is what this feels like."
1: Okay. What um, I remember watching videos from some of those uh, shows, those indie style shows in Mexico, and it seemed like there was always like an air horn going off or some kind of like weird buzzing noise.
0: Yeah, that's uh, one of the noisemakers in the culture. Okay, a lot of lucha as is has has been explained to me. Uh, I have trouble watching it simply you know i can never tell who's winning quote unquote right but a lot of it is very culturally based for example the the open-handed chop to the chest doesn't necessarily look very devastating but that's actually an affront to their machismo and and stuff like that so there's lots of cultural aspects that you need to grasp in order to fully understand it a lot of people just like the flying and flipping and right that's great but i it's hard for me to follow sure you know i I enjoy it but it it is difficult to follow i do have the something weird video compilation viva santo and his friends which is uh all of the wrestling sequences cut out of the santo movies oh that is very interesting because that's in the early 60s where there was still some flying but it was more technically based sure so it was you know that was more enjoyable to me to watch
1: great well that was our episode on lucha libre hey all right thanks we'll see you guys next week when (laughs) Come back with another topic. No, just kidding. Uh, so um, another uh, place starts with an M, has an E in it, Memphis. <laughs> really Memphis, really, stretching, Tennessee. really stretching on that one. Um, Heck of a segue. I'm going to start this thing up with a quote. Okay. All right. I grew up in Las Vegas, rolling the dice and spinning the roulette wheel, Jack. I've been a gambler since the day I was born, and I'll be a gambler to the day I die. Name that uh, wrestler.
0: Oh, that's Austin
1: Idol, Absolutely. but your cadence
0: is all wrong. I know. So that's I, what I, was killing well, me.
1: I know. And I, I'm just, I'm not trying to sound like I him I grew
0: just... up in right. Las Vegas, Nevada, Jack. Uh,
1: one of my favorite promo guys, to be uh-huh. honest with you. I always liked Austin Idol. Uh, so, anyhow, so what we're going to talk about today, some people consider it to be the last great Memphis angle. And, um, you know, this was definitely at a time. When Vince already kind of had that stranglehold going across the country. And Memphis was still one of the places where, you know, wrestling was still strong um, under Lawler. And uh, we're going to talk about the uh, hair versus hair cage match. Jerry the King Lawler versus Austin Idol. So good.
0: Yeah. Uh, So many good things about this. Uh, One thing that has helped this angle in the history is it became one of the first VHS releases um, independently put out by the promotion. Right. It uh, was available for sale where they included the whole buildup. Um, because this was a very tiered. You know, they didn't just say next week we're having the cage match. This was a several month buildup.
1: Right, I agree. Yeah, just and it's masterful.
0: Great. You brought up Austin Idol's promos. So many good promos to just the expository dialogue in this 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 whole episode is incredible. Yeah,
1: and in fact, I, I, there's some stuff in here that Tommy Rich does oh, that is so subtle and beautiful. Tommy Rich, so good. that it just makes it so great. So good. Um, but before we get to that, I just wanted to mention. Uh, you know, 1986 super strong year for Memphis at that point. They were running a feud. It was Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell. They were feuding with Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantell, and uh, the houses were up. Everyone was loving it. And on March third, it kind of culminated in the uh, legendary Texas Death Match between the two teams. And what makes this unique is that it went twenty six falls mm-hmm. and seventy five minutes.
0: That's true. Uh, Dutch talks about it in his book, and I think it's touched several other places as well. Haha. Uh, where they went in, they didn't. They knew the finish, but they didn't know how long they were going to go. Right, they were just going to ride the wave, and it just they were able <laughs> and, to keep
1: it going. Yeah, seventy five minutes worth of a wave on that one is what amazing. People were
0: into it though. It's only available in cut form. Yeah. on on YouTube right now. Uh, great sequence in there. Lawler peppers uh, Buddy Landell in the corner with a series of punches, and yep. just gets faster and faster and faster. Landell is able to sell each one distinctly. It's just. Incredible piece of ring work there.
1: So at that time, you know, Memphis was still strong in the sense that they were getting about two thousand or three thousand at the gate uh, for their shows. Uh, But then that's not strong. Which no, but 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 at that time, with all the other uh, indies and territories kind of fading away, but they were able to get it up to standing room only, over eleven thousand people for Mm -hmm. that feud. So they really kind of revitalized things and regenerate. uh, What is it? Re. Rejuvenated? Rejuvenated. Yes, rejuvenated. Big word. Um, You know, I think being a teacher, you'd think I'd know that word. You'd think. Um, Was able to really rejuvenate Memphis at that time, and uh, then it kind of started to lead into, I mean, we'll start now, I guess, going into it, but what led up to the hair versus hair match, so...
0: Well, it's not quite that easy because you have several different wrinkles coming up, To I came in, uh, the collection I watched began with Tommy Rich wanting to go for the international title against yes. Big Bubba. Which, I'm not sure 100% of this, but Big Bubba may have been Fred Ottman.
1: Possibly so, I think, Yes, yeah.
0: because he wrestled in Florida as Big Steel Man as well. Okay. I believe he's somehow connected to the Dusty Rhodes family. Okay. But I'm not sure if that was a magazine thing or a real thing. Sure, Hopefully, sure. somebody can
1: correct that for us. Um, and was it was and if I'm correct on it, Tommy Rich was. Uh, this is where, but he was upset, right, because he wanted to be going for the AWA title.
0: Yeah, the the world title against Jerry Lawler. Right. Uh, Eddie Marlin had scheduled a match between. Uh, Jerry Lawler and Nick Bockwinkle that was upcoming in the future. This is the advantage of being able to use a traveling champion with the territory in that you could space out and build up your show.
1: And this was after Bockwinkle was just handed the title back um, because of Stan Hansen.
0: Yes, but the people in Memphis wouldn't have cared about that. Right, this right. was the this, this was the world heavyweight champion that was being portrayed as the the
1: grail. Well, I'm just setting the yes. kind of the passage because you know we talked about the AWA championship. And so this was shortly after that.
0: Yeah, shortly after that, also shortly after uh, WrestleMania 3. Right. So right. like wrestling nationwide there's an interest in it because of what Vince has been able to do, but as you said, the territories are dying off. Memphis was one of the last ones to go. Mostly because the television station paid them for the studio time. Right. So they were able to get to the TV and it was such a local institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still able to run the Mid-South Coliseum at this point, which drew uh, 11,000, anywhere from 11,100 to 11,600. I've never really understood why that figure varied.
1: Sure. You know, yeah, right?
0: Is it different? I mean, the ring isn't any bigger or smaller, unless you got a cage or whatever. But
1: they find ways. I think that's kind of where there's always some kind of little wrinkle when it comes to figuring out numbers like that. Yeah, it's 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 goofy. Like right, that. right.
0: A lot of people got in, kid. You're not gonna, we are not. We're not gonna be able to pay you like you thought. <laughs> right. A lot of people just got in.
1: That's yeah, kind of a typical thing. So, so
0: uh, Big Bubba going against Tommy Rich. Yes, or Tommy Rich going against Big Bubba for the international championship. Big Bum is manager, downtown Bruno comes in, hits Tommy Rich with a foreign object, rolls him over after the ref's been distracted. Right. Uh, but then Jerry Lawler comes in to save, you know, help out Tommy Rich, hit Big Bubba, roll him over. Tommy Rich gets disqualified. Right. This is uh, This is so subtle in how you set up an angle in that the heel. There has to be a small justification why the heel thinks he's right. Right, right. As opposed to just, I'm better than everybody or my kung fu is stronger.
1: Right, and it's not like they're, they just all of a sudden one day turn to the dark side. Like there has to be some Right, right, level and of they just tease it. In. So, yes.
0: like everybody understands, oh, downtown Bruno did this, so Jerry Lawler's just trying to
1: help you out. But Tommy Rich is like, well, I don't need your help. Right. You know And it was extremely subtle. Like, if I was just watching that without knowing what was coming down later on, I would never have thought that there was a problem. Because they really, they didn't address it. He just kind of, his mannerisms were so subtle, Tommy Rich's.
0: Well, Tommy Rich, let's not sell him short. Everybody laughs because he had the short NWA title reign, but... Uh, especially as seen in the footage of this, just a good worker, right. and incredible talker. Right. This is who Jim Barnett saw and said, My boy, that's gonna draw you money, right? Right. There, you right. Know? Like he was able to see that talent in him. Um one thing I noticed about watching this with Tommy Rich standing next to Jerry Lawler, Tommy Rich is a tall guy. Yeah. Because Jerry Lawler is not small. I am just a shade under six foot. When I met Jerry Lawler, I had to look up at him he's a good six one and tommy rich has to be a good six four okay sure so just deceptive all these guys are deceptively tall right like when i met jerry lawler and when i met ricky morton and saw how tall they were like my heart just sank because it's like oh well if these guys look small on tv how big are these other, other guys? guys right right you know just uh i'm a pretender okay so, so we, we tommy got rich comes off the second rope With the Thez Press. Yes. uh, Goes to cover Bubba. Downtown Bruno runs in with a brass knox or whatever, hits him on the back of the head. Yes. Like rolls over the pin. But then Lawler comes down in street clothes, uh, very fashionable
1: 80s street clothes. Yes, very much so. There's Uh, a lot of gaudy fashion. Oh, God.
0: Lawler's tights in this thing is so... But, uh, well, anyway that,
1: the coca-cola tee uh sweatshirt at the end on tommy rich in the cage is pretty amazing too
0: uh, which is funny because lawler was a big uh coca-cola guy like he had a wing in his house that had all coca-cola stuff
1: <laughs> that's crazy
0: oh yeah there's pictures of it in the after mags and everything fun anyway uh he comes down uh boots bub on the back of the head but the referee sees this and disqualifies tommy rich right Uh, Tommy is like, nothing really happens that night, but Tommy is a bit upset about this and cuts a just smoking promo after that talking about, you know, I didn't appreciate you sticking your nose in my business. I was going for your international title. Hey, I should be going for the AWA title because Memphis was recognizing the AWA at that point. Right. Yep. Uh, due to Crockett controlling all the dates on Flair, nobody could come around. Boom! So they decided to go over to, and the AWA had had a relationship with Memphis before.
1: Right? Yeah, we had discussed that before. Yeah.
0: Um, so points out that Jerry Lawler. How many times have you wrestled Nick Bockwinkle? You've never beat him. Right. I wrestled Harley Race and I beat him. I mean, you're you're the you know you've got the title shot, but maybe I should have it because you know I've I've been the champion. I can do it again.
1: Right, and I love the frustration. uh, I think that's kind of the the key to it. It's not necessarily, it's a promo that gets you thinking. It's not something where you're just like, oh my gosh, Tommy Rich is, you know, he's gone bad or anything like that. You're just, you really, it's logical. It makes sense. You know, he's still angry after what he views as Lawler costing him that match. Um, I just I really like the way it plays out
0: yeah and it's one of those uh down home Memphis interviews that they would do once in a while where they had to give him the microphone to talk right. or thing like that which is very good um I did like the go home on this one where he just says uh Memphis you're you need a new champion and I think I can beat Nick Bockwinkle yeah right he just leaves it at that right which is very good which leads to lawler cutting a promo coming out uh a return promo on Rich they show footage of a match. Uh, may have been later that night, but I think it was probably the next week as they sure. were playing yep. this out. Uh, remember, Memphis was a weekly territory, so they could cycle through angles and build them, and people would right. remember from week to week. Um, A match with Lawler and Kabuki where Tommy Rich gets up on the apron. Uh, Lawler goes to fade back into the ropes to build up momentum on a punch and knocks Rich off the apron. Right. Now, Tommy Rich is a bit upset about this, but what you don't see is right before Lawler fades back, Tommy Rich lifts his elbow. Right. Or or does he? Right. So this is... And the crowd was fooled.
1: Yeah. I don't think... I mean, the live crowd, of course, because there was no replay, it just looked like Tommy Rich was on the apron and Lawler bumped him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. just knocked him off the apron. So Tommy Rich was a bit upset about being knocked off by Lawler, but all of a sudden Lawler comes back and says, why did you elbow me in the head? Right. You know, caused me to mess up in my match with Kabuki. So he was very upset about this. And then Lawler goes ahead to bring up okay, Tommy Rich, you beat Harley Race. But Lawler goes on to call Harley Race a 60 year old drunk. Right. And uh, isn't very impressive that he beat him and you he <laughs> right. only held it for four days. And then this 60 year old drunk. Uh, did this. Now, I'm very glad that Harley Race wasn't in the locker room or the crowd for any of this because I'm pretty sure he would have gone out there and handed Lawler his ass. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Just, you know, and again, with a cigarette hanging out.
1: Of his, his mouth. mouth, right. Just, <laughs> one, boom. Well, one of the other things, too, I thought was great about this was that Lawler goes on TV and cuts this promo. And at first, Lance Russell is very much kind of defending Tommy Rich. Like, "Ah, I don't necessarily see that the elbow that he raised it. And then Lawler has them run the tape, and he shows them. And there's still... There's a little bit like a, yeah, I guess I can see what you're talking about. And, yeah. But, so there was never like this, oh boy, he definitely is the one, you know, he definitely lifted the elbow up. And he Lance kind of sees Lawler's way after a while, but there's still some skepticism in it all.
0: Yeah. And this is also the genius of Memphis television. Right. Um, now we point this out. They, I did look at the comment section of the the link we were both watching, and it said that this was the Louisville feed of the angle. Okay. Uh, which is very interesting to me. Remember, the Memphis show was shot. There was 90-minute shot Saturday morning yes. live in the studio. And then that tape would be cut up or edited down to an hour with alternate interviews uh, interspersed. And that would be shown the following week in the other circuits or the other towns. Sure, the circuit. yeah. So, they obviously, they didn't do the haircut match around the loop. They were just explaining everything there. But... If you had a match on Monday night in Memphis, that meant that in a week and on that Tuesday through Thursday, you were having that same match in all of the other towns. Right. So, like a loser leave town match would happen in Memphis and then happen around the circuit. Sure. Uh, McFoley makes fun of this in his book when uh he wins the tag title and asks the fan if they were surprised. He said, "No, I heard you won him in Evansville two nights ago."
1: <laughs> right. It's like, right. oh
0: well, okay. Yeah. That, so that was also part of the magic because, you know, and again, these other towns, you didn't get news of Memphis. Right. You right. know, it wasn't it wasn't nationally covered. So you could get away with doing.
1: you right. And it worked just like, again, it was the, the world was like a bigger place without. Right. Uh, internets and things like that and going internet. on. I know ruins it all, doesn't it? So where do they go from there? Oh, so, just wait. One thing sure. I want to point
0: out: Lawler comes out with the big, uh, the big crown. Yes. Yeah, because he went down to like the small jughead-looking thing when he was in the WWE for a while, but he had this huge crown. Um, in his book, he says that his first crown came from a place called Southern Importers, okay. which I went ahead and looked up, and yes, it's still there, and it is a costumes type company, you know, like a. Uh, what's a oriental trading or sure, yeah you yeah. just get anything from of course you got to pay for it right um so i had to laugh seeing the old big crown cuz i like that and i also <laughs> right. liked lawler with that weird uh that very regal goatee that yes, he had good yes. stuff good stuff
1: the points the points coming up on the sides of it yes
0: yes uh but what i wanted to bring up about the crown was uh his first one was given to him by bobby shane who passed away in a plane wreck Another crown was given to him by Sam Bass who passed away in a car wreck. So it became a joke slash curse that anybody that gives Lawler a crown is going to pass away. Ah. So nobody gives him a crown.
1: And that's it. Yeah. yeah. He's had those two. And then that's uh, unless he gives himself a crown.
0: Well, he had to,
1: cause nobody else will give it, it, it to him. No, no, absolutely.
0: And he's still kicking.
1: So, right. So, uh, Rich and Lawler end up having a match to determine who is going to go up against Nick Bockwinkle. Right. And the first one ends up being a no contest because that's where all hell breaks loose for lack of a better term they just it gets that typical memphis bloody bro oh yeah yeah they both had double color cuz they were on the outside right right and it just like things got out of control out of hand that's it so then they decided the next week to go back at it again and that right. time lawler actually beats rich
0: and that's I, and again this is the advantage of weekly you know your weekly advancement of your shows you don't have to go to something right away because you know you've got 3 weeks to build up to something as right. opposed to we've got to get this done now and then at the next show you're going to meet here. Exactly. You know, it was just the advantage of the slow build, which I love.
1: Right. Again, that's I think that's what makes this whole angle great is that slow build. Uh
0: San Francisco uh was also known for having something like this where two rivals one of them would have a belt but they would then uh, get so heated up that they'd meet each other. They didn't care if the title was on the line, so they'd just have a non-title match. Right. And then, of course, the challenger would usually win there, which then you could get more money getting out of the title match later.
1: Right. It's yeah, no, a I think that's little great. Thing. You don't have to
0: shoot it all right away.
1: Exactly. So it leads us up to uh, January 4th, 1987, and that's Lawler versus Bachwinkle. Yes. A and mean, mean machine. Yes. And uh, why don't you take us through that a little bit to what happens even before match the match?
0: Oh, uh, so they go to meet in the ring. Well, first, Bachwinkle cuts another just incredible promo wearing the white collars and the pinky ring. Yes. Just incredible. Nick Bockwinkel, just untouchable. Uh, so they're both out in the match. Austin Idol suddenly comes in, decides he wants to interject himself. He thinks he's been overlooked in all of this drama, and he feels he should have the title shot. Right. Uh, Jerry Lawler, of course, takes a little exception to this. Um, there's a little brawling that happens there, but I love how Bachwinkle just stays out of it. It's like, right. This is, this isn't any of my business.
1: These two are going to have to figure this out. Right. And that's the great moment where Idol actually, uh, Lawler kind of turns his back on Idol and Idol spins him around and then pops him one and yeah. knocks him and Lawler ends up getting color before the match even starts. <laughs> Which is great, too. I mean, I think that's fantastic. Uh, and they actually go to a 60-Minute Broadway in that match, pretty much, almost with Bachwinkle. Yeah. Which is awesome to think that. So, I mean, you think about that... Uh, superman persona of jerry lawler and like you know what he gets beat up and bloodied before the match even starts and then is still still manages to go 60 minutes with bockwinkle
0: yes but the wrinkle that introduces is that well he went 60 minutes with him could he have beaten him if he hadn't been if he hadn't been injured previously right exactly so it does chew up an hour and every night but and
1: the amount of ref bumps in that there was like uh, a, a bunch of ref bumps in that match as well sure well, I mean, I'm just—it's all the factors that right, you know right. play into that, like what, like what Lawler could have done type thing, exactly. if but for the ref bumps. Exactly.
0: So it, again, Bachwinkle's the master, so we we don't have to talk about him because everything was great there. But it is the storytelling you put in this wrinkle in the beginning, injure Lawler, so the champion can walk out with the belt, but Lawler still looks strong enough, and the people believe, boy, if that had happened, Lawler could have been could have beaten him, could have been the champion.
1: Right, and. Idol was a, a face at that point, wasn't he? Because wh- before that, I think he was a face. I think he he started going like full heel at that moment.
0: Right. So he might have been a tweener, but I've never seen Austin Idol as a rah-rah baby
1: face. Not a rah-rah, but he was popular at that point. Yeah. Well, and can I you think, blame him? He's a universal heartthrob. Yes, that's true. Yes, the, Slaying
0: hearts with the Las Vegas leg lock? Yeah.
1: The lady's pet, I believe. The men's regret. Was that, exactly. Yes. Uh, Austin Idol, again, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Uh, Another gimmick that can be traced
0: back to superstar Billy Graham. Yes. Just a
1: little thought. That's true. And uh, next week they go to television, and that's when Austin Idol actually kind of makes that full, quote-unquote, like, heel turn at that point. Um, And that's when Rich and Idol interfere in the match with Lawler. And that's when the crotching happens. Oh, uh,
0: now the cover story for this is Jerry Lawler was going out to get a vasectomy. Right. So this is the cover, but it was so good and so vicious that uh, they pulled him into the corner. One, two, three, boom! They crotch him in the corner. Uh, this was covered in the after mag
1: saying he had ruptured a testicle. Right, like actually full on. We're yeah. talking about ruptured text testicle yeah. testicles.
0: That's what I say Made perfect sense though It was just like wow And of course I didn't see it on TV I was only getting it through the magazine So that's how I
1: followed it But But that uh, was brutal too Like seeing it and seeing Idol uh, outside the ring on one side uh, Rich on the other side Each one grabbing a leg and doing the old one, two, three And then yanking and just ramming Lawler into the Yeah, ramming
0: crotch first But then the part I like about that after Is Lawler crumples and sells to one side Austin Idol just grabs up, picks up his face, and gives him the most vicious bitch slap, slap in yes, the world. Yes. Just incredible.
1: Yeah. It's like he was cradling Lawler's head almost. It's like, and oh, wow. Lets him have it. Yeah. It's, uh, that is uh, pretty amazing. So, of course,
0: uh, you don't do that in Memphis. Right. You know, Jerry Lawler is the the king of Memphis. Haha. <laughs> Not just to say that. but Well,
1: can I say something about vasectomies? Sure. Sure. <laughs> So Lawler was out for a month um, after the quote-unquote ruptured testicle secret vasectomy. Just think how far we've come as a society now that, I mean, you can pretty much have a vasectomy and be back to work the next day. And no stress.
0: That's true. I mean, and I don't know (laughs) if that was the case at that point.
1: Sure. No, I know. I mean, back then, who knows? It could have been a samurai sword and a blowtorch for all I know. But I'm just saying. Yes, like, I'm pretty sure that's what. But that <laughs> no, but what I'm. But saying- in addition to the
0: vasectomy, you know, in yes. addition to the, he had to take time off to sell the angle.
1: But no, I understand. You know, and probably wanted that month off. Right. Right. Which is great. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just okay. thinking about <laughs> vasectomies. I seriously. But nobody life, knew I'm that it was the it
0: was the ruptured text. You know, that was never released to the
1: people. That no, only I came understand out in this that book. Oh, you're There's just been me. a lot of talk about vasectomies lately in my life. So okay, fair enough. I just wanted to Are you cut? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. No. So I'll drive you. We're gonna do it at the live podcast, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, we joke. This, this but is for all real. getting cut, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, sure thing. So okay. So Lawler comes back after a month and uh, uh, no, they cut the promo on the telephone. Oh, that's right. Which is yes. one thing
0: I always liked when Memphis did that, uh, and it was like that in Memphis. But any time on TV where you, they get somebody on the phone, it always sounds sounded so tinny and just yeah strange. Like I never understood why that happened. Was it just because of a difference in the medium between the microphone and the? I phone, always just
1: or? imagined that they had like Lawler was backstage. No, he's Ca- probably calling from home. Calling from an. I I just always felt like he was just like sitting on a phone backstage, and it, it never sounded right. And uh, it was like kind of a mix of hearing it in the microphone and through the phone and like it just seemed like they didn't quite know how to get it done.
0: Right. Well, they also, because they played that to the studio audience. Right. Or they could hear it. I'm not sure exactly how that was done. Yeah. Because we've never been to studio wrestling. Wrestling,
1: right. Again, ladies and gentlemen, studio wrestling. Anybody. Anybody, anybody.
0: Um, But just a great promo. Lawler saying, no, he's not down. He's not out. Right, right. Of course, it's been done a million times in Memphis, but... Just a a nice little touch. He's off, but, you know, we don't want you to forget about
1: him. Right. And it's Uh, cool, too. I mean, it really is just kind of a neat little thing you don't see. We did gloss
0: over this. Randy Hales trying to go back and interview uh, Tommy Rich and Austin Idol after they crotched. Oh, yes. On the ring post. Yes. And getting shut out. Now, Randy Hales. uh, Huh? What do you (laughs) like? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, I saw that. I was just like, this guy's involved in wrestling? I just didn't get it. He just knew the right people?
1: I think he just seemed so... Gangly. Yeah, well, gangly, yes. But I think he just seemed like legit, like it's a person. I mean, because Lance Russell kind of always had that bit of carny to him.
0: You think so? I just thought he was more like Kermit.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I always felt like he was more in the know about stuff, whereas Randy Hales was a little bit... Aloof, he seemed like a carpet salesman that happened to get the gig. I don't, you know, weekend special or something. I don't Lance know Lance Russell or not Lance. No, uh, Randy Hales. Oh yeah, Randy Hales. He, he just, just seems so Lance straight. Russell was like a
0: noted person in the community. No,
1: absolutely. There. But I'm saying, but like he, he, he seemed so in the know, and Randy Hales just seemed so, just kind of like every man. He seemed well, like somebody's until,
0: dad until Doug Gilbert said that he liked to get down. But. Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh, Doug Gilbert.
0: Mighty Moose Cholak, or the Golden Moose, or Eddie Cholak, enjoyed a professional wrestling career that spanned four decades and took him across America and beyond. Cholak was born and raised in Chicago's Southeast Side, where his parents ran a successful tavern that was popular around their neighborhood. He grew up in a neighborhood full of people who, like his father, were of Croatian ancestry. Large and strong, even as a Ute, he was an all-city wrestler at the Chicago Vocational High School. He played football for a year at the University of Wisconsin as a tackle in the 1949 season before leaving to join the Navy during the Korean War. It was while in the Navy, where he boxed and wrestled, that he was spotted and encouraged to turn pro among leaving the service. During his stint, however, he received engineering training that would prove valuable later in his life. Returning home from the war, Moose decided on a wrestling career and took advice from one man that would later get one of the worst beatings of his life from the hands of the Moose himself, Chief Don Eagle. Moose also found himself in Columbus, Ohio, where Al Half took part in his training for the professional ring. In the mid-50s, Moose began to appear in action all over the Midwest and the Northeastern United States. He faced a who's who of top caliber talent such as Honch Schmidt, Johnny Case, Bobo Brazil, Gorgeous George, and the original Sheik. In 1963, he won the International Wrestling Association Championship in a match in Japan defeating the vaunted Riki Dozan. Moose Cholak was always a true larger-than-life character that stood out head and shoulders from his contemporaries of the time. Though a far cry from the outrageous antics that make up televised wrestling today, professional wrestling in those days was a show and the wrestlers knew they were the players. Cholak played his part to a tee, always guaranteeing a good time by donning his famous moose head, named Alexander, and fur cape, all the while giving his moose call before grappling with his usually smaller opponent. Moose would come to the ring, stop on the ring apron, and let out a very loud
1: moo
0: like the bellowing from a bull moose, then climb over the top rope and enter the ring and parade about, bellowing even more as the fans catcalled and booed him. It would then take two attendants to take Alexander back to the dressing room. In the near four decades he was involved in ring action, Moose had over 8,000 matches and won most by pure strength and endurance. You always knew that when you entered the ring with Cholak, you had two choices. Be beaten up until he wanted to stop, or just concede the match and go home with your head between your legs and the short end of the money. Though he was well known on the US circuit and went to Japan several times, the pay didn't match his celebrity and he found himself searching for ways to make ends meet. To offset his successful career in wrestling, Moose became an engineer with the city of Chicago and would periodically run his father's bar as often as time would permit when he was not in the ring. To Cholak, it seemed like there were never enough hours in a day for him to do everything he wanted to. Oftentimes. He would take his son and some of the neighborhood kids with him when he went to wrestle near the Chicago area. It was no secret that Moose loved children, and he was a devoted family man who enjoyed his time surrounded by friends and family. Cholak remained with the city's Streets and Sand Department until 1996, overseeing crews involved in street projects. His last five years with the city, he was on disability leave with a severe knee injury suffered when he fell over equipment on the job. Until the mid-80s, Moose continued to sporadically wrestle and make appearances around the Midwest. Toward the end of his career, he weighed more than 400 pounds and his knees began to give him trouble, and it was becoming more difficult to move in and out of the squared circle. Still, he loved the life under the lights and hearing the crowd rumble his name. Conversely, Cholak was a wrestler with a college education and an inquiring mind. In the early 60s, he attended lectures on Zen Buddhism that Alan Watts delivered at the University of Chicago. He then went to Lake Forest to hear novelist Aldous Huxley talk about visionary experience. He said that Huxley had been taking LSD and was hallucinating. Moose died of complications from a stroke on Halloween 2002 in the St. Margaret Mercy Healthcare Center. He was 72 years old. Um, so Lawler uh, yes. realizes that it's a two-on-one situation here and, uh, decides to bring in
1: Backwinkle for one, Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh. What?
0: Yeah, I was going to say Bam Bam.
1: Well, you're just staring at me. I oh, thought, I thought I
0: was giving you the cue there.
1: For what? To bam Bam Bigelow. Then I said it and then you went, <sighs> Ugh. Sorry. Anyway, I know some stuff. So Lawler, <laughs> Lawler brings
0: in Bam Bam Bigelow and also uh Paul Polly Dangerly He's Yeah, has kind of Dangerly at that yet. point He's which sounds Dangerly. weird right Uh yes comes into Memphis Now Is
1: Dangerly even a goddamn word It was then Yeah I guess
0: Anyway uh brings in Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, Jerry Lawler brings in Bam Bam, yeah. Bam Bigelow, and Polly Dangerly shows up on the uh, on the the heel side as well Now there's a connection between those two because Polly Dangerly of course was a photographer and annoying little kid around the wwf right. area. uh and eventually got into promoting and promoted a wrestling show at studio 54 may have been a wfia like wrestling fan international convention or whatever yeah rick flair got an award but that was uh the debut of bam bam bigelow uh, wrestling three guys, uh, he came out of Larry Sharp's sport. right, right. So I'm wondering if that was part of the deal to get those two down—is that they came down together, or one got the other? Sure, out of what it would seem that way. So that was neat. Right. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, still young and angry. I just remember seeing him introduced. Like I saw him introduced in Wrestling Eye, which is how I found out about the Studio Fifty Four bit. Yeah. But at the time, I was just so entranced with. He has his head tattooed, right? No, that was. I mean, that pretty was such awesome. a foreign, ob- you know, foreign concept, right? Back then, right? Yeah, that was.
1: I mean, it looked badass.
0: Yeah, it was just bizarre, and they could do cartwheels and all this other stuff, right? But then he went to World Class and became Crusher Yurkov because George Scott thought he needed a Russian. But of course, I knew who he was though because right. I felt cool. Yeah, I knew and you knew you followed you followed that career. Except I that just seeing it in print, I thought it was Bam Bam Bigello or something like that. <laughs> nice, that's well, pretty I, good. You know, you didn't know. And then then he went to the WWF and they had the managers fighting for him.
1: Right, and I, then at that point too, during the feud where Lawler was having these guys come in, uh, Rich got quote unquote injured. During that melee, which he actually went to Japan. Yes. So um, at that point, bringing in another big guy.
0: Oh, because Bam Bam and uh, Bam Bam and Lawler crotched him.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so Rich left, went to Japan, but they sold it as he was out with an injury, and then to they his testicle. To yes, and they end up bringing in uh, Sid Udy, a very green. Never heard of him. Sid Udy. Uh humongous. Yeah, I know. I know. Sid vicious? Sid Justice? Uh
0: there were actually several hum humungi, right? humongouses over the course of this.
1: But he did the he did the humongous gimmick at during this time yeah. with Austin Idol. Um and only for a couple matches. And one of the things I was reading about it that I thought was funny was that uh, Sid was so green that he was just really knocking the shit <laughs> out of Lawler yes, and it I'm added sure to the it. quote unquote brutality. <laughs> Of the matches because he was so green and just so. I'm sure Lawler loved that. Yes, snug. Is yes. that can yes. I say snug? Is that okay?
0: Difference. There's a very slight
1: gradation between snug and unsafe. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, like, where's the difference between like snug and potato? Oh, come here. All right. Yeah. I'll stay over here. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. Um, so uh, all this happens. Again, Rich is out of the picture, and then it finally sets up for the big night, April 27th, 1987, uh, and that's the match. It's the hair versus hair match, but there's a little bit of a setup to that, and there are some other factors that get played into it. Are you saying that there's something I'm missing? Oh, yeah. There's so so much that you're missing Then share away, sir.
0: Uh, Who is it? Austin Idol and Lawler have a match where a foreign object gets used, and that sets up to a chain match. Right. And Lawler says we're gonna have a match where the both of us are joined by a, you know, sixteen foot chain or whatever like that. And they the execution of this the execution of this is very interesting in the term uh, in the context of the larger angle. Yeah. But I have to wonder about the people that were there that night. Sure. Like, explain. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it was promoted as the main event, but if it's Lawler, of course, it's going to be treated as such. Where Lawler and I are going to have a chain match where they're both joined at the wrist. Right. Um, of course. Uh. Austin Idol comes to the ring. Lawler comes to the ring. He already has the chain attached to his left wrist. Throws the other end of the chain out to Austin Idol. Yeah. Idol does a very good job. Um, this This is one thing that's needed in a gimmick match where the heel has to beg off and be afraid of the gimmick and not want to engage, you know, for whatever reason. Uh I'm above this. I'm a human being, blah, 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 blah. They fidget and fight and everything. Finally, the referee says Austin Idol has a 10 count to have this chain put on his wrist. And the match starts. So they start counting. Then finally, Idol puts his, his wrist out for the chain. The referee's putting that on. Jerry Lawler takes his chain off and attaches it to the top rope. So suddenly the referee gets the the chain on the wrist, hits the bell, the match starts. Austin Idol realizes that he's caught on a leash and he can't get away. Jerry Lawler then dips into his trunks, all in front of the referee, by the way. Of course. Dips into his trunks, pulls out a dog chain, hits Austin Idol with the chain, covers him one, two, three... And put right. one over on Austin Idol. Then he bails out of the ring, gets on the mic, says, that's how you have a chain match Memphis style, boy. Right. And that which, was Which that... I like. That's one of the few times that Lawler puts his twang in there. You know? And that was the 39-second <laughs> sure. loss
1: for the Southern title.
0: Yes. I was going to make a joke about Lawler putting his twang in some other things. but. Very
1: fun. Yeah. I You know, um, I always thought that was, I always liked that Lawler image, too, the, the reaching in the tights, uh-huh. pulling out the chain, and he just so exaggerated the way yeah. he would... Top, put that chain around the...
0: Yeah, it's very... Well, I mean, it's joked in the business. It's very Memphis about it. You right. got Memphis it up. Yeah. Now, remember the clientele there? Granted, it's how they were educated, but they, they bought a lot of what they were sold. Sure. Oh, let's, for sure. Let's put it that way. So yeah. it was... You didn't have to be quite as subtle because it was kind of cartoony and everything in Memphis. But, right. I mean, again, that's what they were educated to.
1: So my question to that would be, I guess, thinking about booking that... And so, if leading up to the hair vs. hair match, Lawler is able to kind of pull one over on uh, Austin Idol in right. 39 seconds, and then uh, you know, then that means Lawler has the title. What what would make the audience want to go see it? Because I kind of feel like if they at that point they realize like Lawler's already been like the king of the hair versus hair match for so long, you know, all these stipulation matches he always. You know, comes out ahead Hold
0: on you're not you're jumping way ahead. Oh,
1: I know. But I'm just saying, but it just seems like um, I don't know. It seems like you're giving away too much by having him, you know, even if it's like a a slick pull a fast one winning the title like that quick. Right. So tell me, tell me where what am I missing to this? Well,
0: okay, so Lawler puts one over on him and wins the title. Yeah, everything's good there. Austin Idol then comes on TV the next week and sets up this stipulation that's so out there that people have to buy into it. Okay. He essentially says, you know, okay, Lawler, you beat me here. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I don't like this at all. But here's what I'm going to do. Um, You're very vain. You've never lost a hair match. You know, I'm very vain. I've never lost a hair match. So I want to have a hair versus hair match. But I know that's not going to be enough to make you get in the ring. yeah. So here's what I want to do. You know, there's been all this interference. I want to have it in a cage so that nobody can interfere. So now it's a hair versus hair match in the cage that's building it up. But he's so confident in doing all of this that he's going to put $50,000 in escrow right. at a local bank. And if he does not win, he's going to refund everybody's ticket price. Right. Um, all they have to do is hold on to their stub, present it at the cash box, you know, presented at the box office at the end of the show, and they will be refunded their money.
1: So is it almost one of those things where it's like Lawler, clearly, you know, king of the hair match? Lawler, upper hand, this opponent in Austin Idol has made a claim that's so outrageous, there's no way he can't win. The audience is going to get their money back. Is that?
0: Well, that's what the people are thinking.
1: Yeah. But then, very importantly,
0: Austin or uh, Jerry Lawler comes on TV, I'm not sure if it was that week or the following week, and cuts another promo explaining how Austin Idol was actually in a, a plane accident. Oh, yeah. With Gary Hart and everything like that. Right. Now, Austin Idol, uh, before he became Austin Idol, was known as Mike McCord and had a much thicker power lifter build uh-huh. and darker hair and actually had a run up in the WWWF. Okay. You know, it was just a big meaty journeyman. Sure, you know, yeah, right. Whatever. But got into this plane crash with Gary Hart, the one that uh, killed Bobby Shane. Yes. Uh, injured his feet very much. Uh, Gary Hart talks about it in his book. Okay. Uh, but injured his feet, went on, and uh, you know healed up, and then slimmed down a little bit, got the big arms, bleached his hair out, and basically copied Superstar Graham and became Austin Idol. Sure. Um, great talker, decent worker. Very known in the South, didn't really get the national uh, exposure. Why? Because, for some reason, did not like to fly. So hmm. he would only go to territories that you know were within driving distance. Okay. So then yeah. He could get a get a ride on the
1: loop and stuff like that.
0: So that's why he never had like the WWF run, the big run, or yeah. anything like didn't that. Didn't like to fly.
1: Just didn't want to do uh,
0: it. From what I understand, I mean, he's gotten out of wrestling for doing good for himself. Yeah. Like, still looks good. But anyway, so Jerry Lawler comes in uh, because everybody believes in Jerry Lawler and Jerry Lawler doesn't lie. Tells this story that some people might have known. Some people didn't. Uh, Austin Idol was in this plane crash. Well, he got an insurance payout
1: Ah. from that
0: plane crash. So he knows that Austin Idol has the money to
1: do this. Right. And so this sends it full over this, this like drives the th- it home yeah, like wait is a it. minute
0: this is real right now it wasn't covered on the television but i do want to say i've read that there was actually a deposit made at a local bank
1: just to really
0: yeah th- so that people know oh austin idol came in and put fifty thousand dollars into an account now i'm sure they watched austin idol very carefully right. because one of the one of the other stories that austin idol is known for is uh, there was a battle royal with uh, the winner to receive $5,000. Yes. And Austin Idol won. The promoter gave him a blank check for you know $5,000, thinking he'd get back at the end of the night. Well, Idol like, skated out, wrote his name in the thing, and cashed the check. Check, right, right. <laughs> and didn't give the money back. of Which course, is great. Of course, lost his job, but he got a $5,000 payout. Right. Good for him.
1: Yeah, that's pretty great stuff. So
0: this is very important in that the heel has come out and made this grandstand challenge yes. that seems so outrageous. like that That's just ridiculous. That'll never happen. But then the face, the person that the people believe in, comes out and validates everything Thing he the said. says. Right. So this is where the draw really comes in. It's just like, sure, Austin has that money. Oh, Jerry Lawler says he has this money, and this all makes sense. Right. Like Suddenly, it's like, crap, we have to go to this because we're going to see Jerry Lawler win, and we're going to get our money back. Right. So what, what's win. the downside? Right right you know so then that's where it becomes the big show
1: yeah so it's almost like taking Austin Idol over the edge and then having the audience believe in what he's saying by having the face yeah exactly push it. that's great yeah that's that's really cool um so fantastic and again The slow build, the slow burn. Uh And by this time, too, and I just want to point this out going into it, not spoiler alerts uh, ahead on this, but like at this point, because Tommy Rich is out of the scene because he's quote-unquote injured, when you watch the footage, it's almost like Tommy Rich is such an afterthought at this point. Yeah, because he's been injured. Right. And he's 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 been off TV. He's been gone. And even just watching this all-in-one, two-hour video... You feel that at this point now, you're just dealing with Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler and Paul Dangerly, and that's it. Like, there's no—just Tommy Rich is—you're not even thinking about it. He is so far off your radar at that point. Oh, uh, you brought up Paul Dangerly. Uh,
0: when Austin Idol brings up this promo and says he's going to put the money down and do all of this— Dangerly is very good in the background, acting surprised like, oh, my God, he's going off script. Right. This, this isn't what we right. agreed on and everything. Right. And, of course, this is really all that Paul could do at that point. Right? Uh, good mind for the business. Even he will admit now that he was an incredible hothead. But you know, he would fight for his money and yes. som- sometimes... Uh Jerry Jarrett would say, You're right, you deserve more money, here it is. And other times he'd tell him to go pound sand. Right. But wasn't afraid to talk and fight for himself.
1: It's really hard to sit here and keep calling him Paul Dangerly by <laughs> the way.
0: And, well, just remember he's got
1: hair. That's true. Yeah. He looked really and, and young thin. too. Thin. Uh, he was young. Like, yeah, he was real, very really early twenties. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff to watch. So does this take us? Are we now there? Are yes. we are we there that yes. night now? We're now to the big night. April twenty-seventh, nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, for the hair versus hair in a cage match, uh, drew over 8,500 people. Not uh, a sellout by any stretch, but still a, a pretty nice size gate for uh, the show itself. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Um, what do you think of the match? It was a match. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I don't mean to be dismissive of it, but so much, uh, especially in Memphis. Excuse me, I have to wet my sure. Whistle no,
1: here. no. Well, you think about just the way that Memphis. Yeah, So
0: much in Memphis, like uh, a lot of the times I had just heard recently that the booking was, okay, you two go out there and have your match, and then you'll do this, this, and this. So everything that happens up to that point is just two people... You know, masters of their craft, taking the crowd on a ride in order to build up to the end of the, you know of what they're doing. Right. Uh, this was also very notable in that the cage was very different from what they had seen in Memphis before.
1: Well, and I was just going to bring that part up—the cage—because for people who haven't seen this, uh, it's very reminiscent of the way the Hell in the Cell is set up, as far as like the space. Well, around I would the say ring. that Hell in the Cell is very reminiscent. Of well, yes, this but cage you know what I'm saying. All yeah, right.
0: but it is set up uh, big enough. So that it's not, you know, a butting up to the, the ring apron right. like some cages are. It's not made out of chicken wire and wood like some cages in Memphis have been. Right. Uh, it's actually, it's a large size cage that surrounds ringside and goes up. So they actually have to go out of the ring to do cage spots. Yes. Which luckily they do.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh,
0: Polly Dangerly is on the outside. Yes. Uh, At one point, he interjects by throwing powder into the ring or through the cage into Lawler's eyes so that they can beat up on him some more. Right. Uh, Lawler starts to make his comeback. You know, everything's going good. He's rocking and rolling. Suddenly, what happens from out from under the ring? Somebody we haven't seen in two months,
1: boom, Tommy Rich. Right. Comes into the ring, tight Coca Cola sweatshirt and all. Oh, it doesn't have it tied up? I used to love when he tied up. I I don't know if it was tied up, but it looked small. Oh, yeah,
0: daddy. Um, Um,
1: Yeah, and that's kind of a... uh, That, again, and that's what I say when I'm talking about before. If you're watching it for the first time and you didn't know, and it's almost like when Tommy Rich comes out, it's just like, son of a bitch. It's so great.
0: But what you don't get watching it on tape is the effect of going to the arena that night and sitting there and watching the entire show unfold. Right. Tommy Rich had just gotten back from Japan either that morning or that afternoon or whatever. They put him under the ring before any of the fans were left inside.
1: With a case of beer and a bucket of chicken.
0: Case, uh, case, well, I heard a bucket to piss in, so maybe I hope he didn't confuse the two. Yes. Yeah, right. but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw a shoot interview later. Like, what did you do under there all that time? He's like, I slept, <laughs> <Right, laughs> you right. know, he had just gotten back
1: from Japan. Well, how did you know when to come out? Well, I could hear Pauly shouting for me. Right. Like, okay. And that was that, that was that. But at that point, Paulie had gotten himself into the cage. Yes. He was on the outside for the and majority. And he needed to be.
0: Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> right. they, they let him in, uh, somehow yeah, they had the ringsiders let him in uh, and then they start to do all their damage on Lawler they post him again yep uh, all sorts of you know falter all happens till so finally uh, Austin Idol gets the pin one right. two three uh, they crotch him they set him up in the ring uh, they have the barber come in and give him the buzz cut
1: what um I'm forgetting now and maybe we'll uh, you won't remember either on this. Lawler was wasn't unconscious. They didn't like put him in a sleep or anything. He was just like beaten so bad that he was like sitting in the chair. Because I know Paulie well, had was the sell- chain.
0: Yeah, he was selling the crotch shot. Yes.
1: And Paulie had the chain around his neck like uh-huh. he was strangling him at that point. Yes. And yeah, and then so the uh there's a couple times too where uh, Lawler's in the chair and like he like falls out like it's not an easy head shaving. Like he just doesn't right, sit there. Right, like, right. He really kind of makes him work for it. Yeah, but
0: he's also selling the brutality of the match. As As all of this is happening, though, fans start climbing the cage. Yeah. Like, they want to get in and oh, stop Oh, yeah. It. There are some
1: guys that make it pretty high. Yeah, yeah, and all of a
0: sudden, the police... It's funny, because the one guy scales way up, gets to the top. All of a sudden, all the cops flood in the cage, and you see the guy up there going, oh, maybe i got to rethink this. Right. And <laughs> I
1: think that's where people, if you haven't watched a lot of Memphis wrestling, you don't realize how passionate and how vested yep. that audience was. I uh-huh. mean, they were legit climbing the cage trying to get in. And uh it was near right. It's, you can see the cage moving too. It's swaying uh-huh. from just the audience and the the people in the crowd on the cage. And uh it's great because when you watch Rich, you watch Idol and you see uh Dangerly, they are Eating it up, loving every minute of it, and at no point do you see any kind of fear or anything in their eyes. No, you they don't just... see it, but, but I bet you, you, know I bet you yeah, were... I bet you Paulie was filling his pants right yeah, there. Yeah, because it's, Cause like, it's huh, I if mean, they
0: make it in here, what are we gonna do? It
1: looks intense to watch.
0: Uh, I can share. I was at a local venue uh, for they had two months in a row that there were riots. Yeah, and it was uh, it was pretty bizarre. All of a sudden you hear something erupt in the other room and in the one, the promoter has a black bag and he just Folds it up and shuts it and hands it to me and goes, Here, hold on to this brains. It's got four thousand dollars in it. And he walks out. I'm like, what the hell am I gonna do if somebody comes in here? <laughs> right. Went to, went into my bag, got my brass knucks and sat in a chair and like, okay, this is this is my plan. Somebody anybody comes through that door, they're getting clubbed.
1: Well, so they were in stuck in the ring for over 30 minutes after the over show. Over 30 ended.
0: minutes had to leave in an ambulance afterwards.
1: Yes. And they were uh they had to call in more police officers yep. to come into the the police officers got into the cage fully surrounded them Uh and then were able to walk them through the crowd. Uh, before they left the building, they'll cut that awesome promo. Oh yes. Uh, Lance Russell goes into the back. Uh,
0: we haven't talked about Tommy rich and his chemistry with Austin idol. No. Uh, Just an incredible team for the entirety of this angle, but allegedly did not get along personally. Oh really? Yeah, which which I just love as you watch them interact. Idle cuts these long flowery promos and Rich is just in the back barking out affirmations. Oh yeah, loller hair, loller hair. It's great. Right. It's good stuff. But yeah, uh cuts into the comes into the locker room. Tommy Rich. Cuts a little deal on Lawler, but then hands the microphone over to Austin Idol. And Austin Idol cuts just that money promo that you were quoting at the top. Yeah. Explaining who he is, explaining what he's done, and it, it just masterful. The the promo work over the entirety uh, entirety of this whole angle has just been incredible, beginning with Tommy Rich in the beginning, going back and forth with Lawler, just the expository dialogue. At no time did I feel like there was a narrator saying, and then they went and had this match. Everything was laid out, it was explained, it was justified, and it was reinforced in the fans' minds, and they believed in what was happening at the end.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, just such a strong strong angle just really i mean the from top to bottom with a true surprise finish that i mean was jaw dropping for the time just an absolute you don't see something like that you really don't i mean especially not nowadays but that was just yeah it was great um on the heels of that too then lawler vanishes for a while uh selling the injury but one of the funny things about it was uh he wouldn't let them shave his head all the way bald
0: uh eh, it's good to be the king.
1: He uh uh he He got the buzz cut. He got the buzz cut. Why uh, from what I was reading because he liked the way Bruce Willis looked. Sure. So, Siri and okay. in that but that's the one thing that's kind of a little bit um I don't know if that diminishes it at all, but it's like, if it's got hair versus hair, I would have liked to have seen Lawler go completely bald. Yes, and this was a complaint that was voiced,
0: especially when in that per, in that promotion, they shaved Bill Dundee's head, and then they cut his wife's hair. Right. It's like, come on. This, so you got to do been it. Done. You got you to. Yeah, have,
1: have you ever been in a hair versus hair match? Yes. Yes, I have. Did you win? No, I did not. Did you get your head shaved?
0: Yeah. I got the uh, shaved down to the skull that night, but then let it grow out. When was this? Uh, two years ago, my mother was having uh, experiencing breast cancer was going into chemo. Oh, wow. So I offered okay. up my hair to a promoter and said, hey, let's let's do this deal so I can shave my head. That's awesome. And they said, uh, okay. And that was that. Yes, but one lesson, I knew it was going to happen that night. I was reassured it wasn't going to happen, but it did happen. You need good clippers because oh, your yeah. hair is wet and sweaty and it's not
1: going to cut easy. Can I say, I don't think I've ever seen a hair versus hair match that has ever ended well with the sha- with the clippers actually working.
0: Um, oh, back in the day, it was much better. They would bring in like Barbers with professional equipment, but I mean, but there
1: are some that I've seen some things where it's horrible. I mean, absolutely, just ravaging the scalp of the guy that's getting it done, or the clippers just don't cut.
0: Yeah, the clippers don't cut. So I actually had in the locker room later. I just stood on a chair and took care of it myself. Well, that
1: was um, even just uh, tied into like that WrestleMania three, right? uh, Exactly. Just you're like, "Eh, okay, we we get it. Get get in there and clip a little bit uh, better because it was really you're really pulling for it in there to, for Adonis to get the head shaved. So. Yeah, but then they, they shaved his head backstage because they right. released a picture of him with the cue ball look. Right, and then that was that. Was that. Uh, so, uh, you know, after this angle, Rich and Idol still kind of teamed together, and they brought back Bill Dundee, Yep, who ended up coming after uh, them. And then, of course, Lawler comes back, which all led to a big scaffold uh, yes. match um, where supposedly Lawler broke... Uh, Tommy Rich's wrist in that uh, at one like it was the a work. Oh,
0: okay. Because he also allegedly broke, broke Paulie Dangerley jaw.
1: Or, well, that's the the knocked him out. Or yeah, hit the broke the jaw because he was leaving the promotion and never liked him. Right, type right thing. Yeah, and like supposedly like broke his leg during that too because Paulie wouldn't climb the scaffold. Right, and because uh, he was afraid of heights because probably because he saw Jim Cornette take hey, the nasty Hey, I don't blame spill. him. I. I Big, yeah, big fear of heights myself. Yeah, yeah, and I mean just that drop—it's like a dart. Right? It's not so
0: much the drop; it's the sudden stop at the at the end.
1: Right, and that's or if Big Bubba doesn't catch you. <laughs> <laughs> no because he's
0: off being tugboat now because, right remember right, big bubba right. was fred ottman right but no but uh Uncle fred
1: well uh, but uh Shock big bubba Master. was supposed to catch uh jim yeah, Cornette and you know, know dropped him and all that so so anyhow so that's that he kept that's, his eye
0: on the ball the whole way down right yeah. right
1: right, and just watched it go right into the mat yep. um that is lawler austin idol hair versus hair uh Another one of those great moments in wrestling. I put up there in one of probably my top 10 things that I like to watch. Good stuff. Uh, It really is. And if you want to see the video, they have it on YouTube. It's basically two hours long. And it's the complete, like every beat, every promo, every step leading up. And, of course, the hair match. And then it ends with the final promo with uh, the heels backstage. How does it go? Of course, at any time,
0: due to circumstances beyond our control, this footage could be taken off of YouTube. Blah, 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 blah. Right.
1: But it's Dutch a, Mantel
0: had that in his book all the time. I yes. just thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. By so, the way,
1: No, so it, might not uh, be there. It was definitely uh, one of those things that we look at and say, yeah, this is cool. And this is one of the things that I always loved about wrestling. And when I was able to sit down and watch the commercial, commercial release, I said, oh, my gosh, this is so perfect. Like, it is just it is perfect. So, and you own this.
0: Yes, I could not uh, find it because it's currently in storage. But I do have a VHS copy, which is a bootleg, Yeah. Uh, signed by Jerry Lawler. Very nice to my pal Derek. Well, cool. Everybody's his pal.
1: Speaking of my pal Derek, uh, this has been great. Um, Next time, what are we going to talk about on the next episode?
0: Well, it's very interesting because the NWA had one heavyweight champion, one light heavyweight champion, but several tag team champions. Oh, it's very interesting. Why? Why is that? I don't know. I don't know anything
1: about this, and I'm super excited to find out. Gonna find out. This is one of those uh, topics that I. I'm just excited to sit back and listen to you talk.
0: It's going to be a short show. All
1: right. Fair enough on on that. Well, again, thanks to everybody involved. Thanks to Kyle Arpke, our sound engineer, Eric Arsenal, for our music. You have been listening to Cigars and Conversations with Derek St. Holmes Esquire. We are heard exclusively on OneGimmickWorld.com, and we will see you next time when we're talking about the NWA Tag Team Championship.